Yeah, anytime we didn't like something as a kid, mom and dad would tell us a story of one of the missionaries. <laughs> yeah, they're they're I'm serious. You got so much to be grateful like, for. You know what? You, you have any idea? Like, that's how we were raised. It's like, oh my God, no, I did it. I'm so sorry. Man, how blessed you are to be here today. Like, well, like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad to know. I'm just glad to know that your parents use that stuff too. <laughs> If it was food, if it was atmosphere, if it was each other, whatever it was, there was a story. <laughs> our parents and most people's parents is our parents said junk like that and they break out a photo. <laughs> they break out a photo. Be like, Everybody on the couch. Cody, did you see this? Here's the VHS. Let's put this in. Everybody on the couch. Everybody on the couch. Honey, honey, get right. photo album 47 off the shelf that's, right now. That's right. This is life lesson time. We got a life lesson. Well, did you know that where I went to this country, they didn't even have movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. We're here today with Consumed by Fire here on Behind the Tunes, consumedbyfire.com. We got Caleb, Jordan, and Josh here from the Visible Music College Studios. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out today. Thanks so much for having us, brother. We're honored yeah. to be with you. Now, listen, I was doing a little bit of research before uh, we hopped on today, and you guys are from a little place called Wagoner, Oklahoma. Is that right? Oh, sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, oh, yeah. now listen, here's what I found out. There's not a whole lot going on in Wagner, Oklahoma. <laughs> and, they, and we like it that way. <laughs> that, that's how they like it, man. I, I'm serious. I think they, they've tried their best to keep one stoplight in that town. <laughs> it's more than one stoplight for the last but... 50 years. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy, but, but it's good. It's nice, especially when you travel. You know, growing up in a small town, you have that kind of, man, I can't wait to get out. And then the older you, you know, the older you get, the more you do get out, the more you go, God, I can't wait to get back home. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's, it's nice. I see why That's they right. do it. That's <laughs> right. When, yeah. When you live in places where there's stoplights everywhere, you're like, my goodness, take me to a place where there's yeah. only one, maybe two stoplights. Man, I got just the place. The problem <laughs> is we have two railroad tracks. Oh. <laughs> That's the hard part of it. That's the hey, they're going to get you one way or another, man. They're going to get you one way or another. So I was looking through, I was like, well, there's not a whole lot going on in Wagner. So I said, let me just take a bird's eye view. Let's, let me look at Oklahoma. Let me just look at some cool things that happened in Oklahoma. And so let me see if you guys are aware of this. Not far from Wagner, a little place called uh, Mus Muskegee. Is that right? Muskogee. Muskogee. Merle Muskogee. Haggard song. Proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. It's <laughs> Okie from Muskogee. <laughs> The very first Girl Scout cookie was sold there in Muskogee. You brought up Merle Haggard. <laughs> I'm more proud of the Girl Scout cookie. Then Mer oh, yeah. stop it. Well, I'm taking your, your redneck card. I got to take that away from you. <laughs> so we can, we can thank, I guess, Muskogee in some way for the Thin Mints, which I'm a big fan of. All right. What's it called? The, the Samoa cookie? What the heck is it called? The, the coconut and the thing? What's it called? It's the uh, Samoans. The Samoans. Samoan. I'm not wrong. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Those are fantastic. 
I like those. Anyways, yeah, those are good. I haven't had them in a long time. I'm on a journey, but it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so if you're listening to this, find these guys some Samoan Girl Scouts of America. Go to Consume by Fire, send them a message, and then find out where to ship the Samoan cookies to. The second thing that I found fascinating about, well, if it's fascinating, I thought, well, that's interesting. Did you know that um, Oklahoma had the only place this is that was bombed during World War II? Oh, wow. I have, I've heard that, actually. Have you heard that? I don't know the story, but I have heard that. Wow. I didn't well, that. the story is they were they were doing some training. It was in a little place. I was like, little place. It was in a place called Boise City, Oklahoma. And they were doing training, and the lights of the city uh, threw off the guys that were doing the training, and they thought the lights were where they were supposed to drop the bombs for practice. But turns out that's where people live. They dropped on a city right there in Oklahoma. Wow. So. I don't know. I don't know what happens to you in the military if you accidentally bomb the wrong city. That's your own. People. I mean, they were practicing. Was it really their fault? It's not <laughs> like they'd done that a whole bunch. Somebody got a lot of trouble. That's all I know. Somebody got a lot of trouble along the wow. way. Mistakes were made. You know, you won't want to rush out with three. Have you ever thought about you know the, that game, two truths and a lie? What if yeah. you were like. Uh, yeah, I did this, I did this, and I once to uh, actually bombed a, a city here in right. Oklahoma. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, that's a lie. No, it's true. I bombed you know, Oklahoma. You'd win every time. You'd win every time. Well, that's our uh, that's our fun facts about Oklahoma. Let's get back to you guys for a second. So you guys are three brothers, right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I assume that you grew up in some way, shape, playing, playing together. How did Consumed by Fire come into existence? Yeah, like many preachers' kids, we started in the church, man. Just started, you know, leading worship and just um, then one day we we said, hey, mom, dad, we want to be homeschooled so that we could uh, so we could tour. And Caleb was like super young. And the only reason we tell this story now is because we feel like it's a good um, it's, it's a it's a testimony, one of God's faithfulness and, and, and you know, not despising youth and all those things, but how many parents don't know if, should I support my kids in this? Should I, should I, you know, put my resources into what they're doing with their dreams? And our parents did, and they yeah. supported us and, and they prayed about it first, obviously. And they came back and said, Hey, we believe this is for real. We believe the word really is some God's put on your heart. And uh, had we not had that opportunity to, to tour and, get out there. We played anywhere and everywhere, man. I mean, we did over a hundred shows our first year and youth groups and coffee shops and all kinds of small places that you would not actually be excited about playing if you, if you got visions of grandeur or anything like that. But uh, I think uh, our parents were always a good voice of wisdom in our ears. Dad would always tell us, you know, don't, don't despise the day of small beginnings, you know, you, this is slow growth, this is solid growth. He'd always give yeah. us those little nuggets and, little. and yeah. things to hold on to. But yeah, I mean, we got started as, as kids in this, honestly. Mm -hmm. yeah. How old, give me the range of you guys' ages when you started off there. Yeah, Caleb would have been 13. Oh, wow. <laughs> would have been 16 when consumed by fire with the first inception. <laughs> yeah. 
So you guys are 13 to 16 years old. You talk mom and dad into homeschooling you so you can just start playing any and everywhere. Was there a point in time on that journey where you're like, man, this is this is from the beginning. Was it like this is what we always want to do or was it just like, you know, we just love this. We just want to do it as long as we can. I think for us, we just as a family, mom and dad, they they pioneered what, 12, 13 churches, something like that. In the U.S., yeah. In the U.S. And I, I think as a family, we were just so used to to being, you know, yeah. busy, plugged in to, to, to starting new ventures, to doing new things as a family in ministry. And uh, for us, we just got to the point where it's like, at a young age, it's like, well, I don't, we, we, we want our, do, yeah, we want to, <laughs> we want to do this. We want to spread the gospel. This is awesome, you know. And I think it just clicked with us at that age that I think we're going to do this through music. And and mom and dad started off that way a little bit too. They, yeah, they'd make albums and things back in the day, and yeah, and so music was always a big part of our journey as well. Absolutely. Watching mom and dad make yeah. records to sing together and stuff. So. Man, so you, I want to go back to something you said. Anyway, so you said your parents pioneered, began what, 12 to 13 churches? Yeah, it was actually 11 in the U.S. Okay. And then dozens and dozens all over the world. But dad would go and plant all over the place, 33 countries. So, but like, yeah. were y'all all, okay, so help me. This is fascinating. Let's talk about this. So did yeah. y'all move around a lot or would he just go do, how, how did that work? Both. We moved around a lot, but we would also, uh, he would also travel. I know at one point in time, mom and dad were swapping places between South Georgia and Daytona Beach, Florida. Every other weekend, they would, they would switch to be at the churches that they were working with. That's incredible. So, so that really is a fascinating. And so I I do think this is important. And and you, you guys mentioned that a second ago of, you know, the, the fact that your parents were open to the idea of you doing this because they were adventurers, you know, they yeah, were yeah. big on And you said, well, we want our own adventure and how, so your parents inspire you basically to be yeah, adventurers. Yeah. And then you say, Hey, we want to claim our own adventure and you're adventuring this day. I think that's not talked about enough because that's the same mindset I have is listen, this life isn't something that we get through. This life, God didn't call us and redeem us just to like, all right, now, you know, you you know me, I've redeemed you. You just hang on long enough until you die and then you'll come. There's yeah. this adventure. Yeah. I mean, he's the God of the universe that created the oceans and the mountains and the and the anteaters, you know, like he's a creative, <laughs> fascinating God. I mean, I love that, that you guys have just said, we're adventurers um, and we want to go claim our own adventure and that your parents are the ones that cultivated that and inspired you to be just that man. I don't think that could be understated. It's incredible. Amen. Well, and they, you know, you got to think too, Caleb and I barely old. I mean, I was barely old enough to drive, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. so Joshua being the oldest, but I mean, dad would, mom and dad a lot would go out with us. And then we would make sure we got home on Sunday morning for church. And so they, they put a lot of their energy and resources, a lot of hours. Lot of hours. hours. Yeah. Man, I love that. Again, we're here with Consumed by Fire, consumedbyfire.com, here on Behind the Tunes at the Visible Music College Studios. Well, you hit on this a little bit. Uh, your parents were musicians, right, along with, with planting churches? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So is that just something you were just born into? Like they're just playing music, they just began to pour into you to play to play instruments and singing stuff along the way? 
I think we it's something mom and dad used to always say, hey, we're not going to push you to do anything. Whatever God puts on your heart is what's going to happen. And I mean, Caleb, you tell the story pretty, pretty good of, hey, my brother plays this, my brother plays this, my mom does this, my dad does this. I'm about musical things and preaching and all those yeah, things. Yeah, the desire was there. Yeah. It was a Wednesday night service and mama finds me. I just got tears rolling down my face. Yeah, I'm probably around 11 at the time. And <laughs> she's like, why are you, why are you crying? And I just had this note that I'd written out and she reads it and it says all that. God, what do I do? My brothers do this. My daddy plays this. My mama plays this. What do I do? Hmm. And so she goes, well, hey, it's going out to the car. So it's it was such a movie moment, you know, and on it's raining, you know, and she's looking over at me. I'm bawling, you know, the kid's just losing it. And she's like, look, at the end of the day, God places the desires in your heart. So if you feel that call to be doing that, that's not that's not just by accident. God placed that inside of you, but you're going to have to steward it. You're going to have to spend a lot of hours to grow it but it's not going to happen by crying. So it was such a motherly moment, you know, so you're going to have to wipe your face. We're going to help you, but we're going to have to grow this. And man, what a journey was that to ever be true, you know? <laughs> then to find out we're still growing still, and learning. Well, you never, yeah. stop. you never stop. You yeah. never stop. And dad would, you know, from the pulpit, he would always say the moment that you think you've arrived is the moment you should just go home. You, yeah. know, you never stop learning. You never stop growing. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's a wild journey, but it's so worth it. It's so fun. Man, I love your parents. Like every time you start, <laughs> like, I need to bring them on the show too. I need to talk to the parents, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. it's every, I hope parents are listening to this or really taking this in because, uh, you know, I always, always talk about when I talk to artists and, and different bands and stuff of, you know, who, who cultivated this in you. And there's always someone but just the just the whole idea of like you know we don't we don't think enough about the, if the desire is within us it's there for a reason you know there's not there for no reason it's not there just because God got bored you know he wanted to trick us you know he wanted to, he wanted to trick us and just put something in there that he never intends to have any purpose for whatsoever and again just to have people that speak that into your life and say hey that's there for a reason you're gonna have to work really hard. You have to really cultivate it. It's going to take a lot of time, but if you're willing to pursue it, God put it there for a reason. Man, that is, yeah. I'll get your parents' email when we get off here today. And, uh, <laughs> I'll get them on here uh, next time as well. Again, we're here with Consumed by Fire, ConsumedbyFire.com on Behind the Tunes from the Visible Music Visible Music College Studios. Well, let's talk about just your musical influences for a second, and you can go all three of you can tell me this answer. Do you remember the first album you bought with your own money? Mine was a Beach Boys Greatest Hits record. It was a blue one. I just remember and that man. I looking back, it's like how spirit led was that? Like for <laughs> real, because of the production and the writing and the things yeah. that they were doing. It's like I didn't even realize how much that was shaping me. The Beach Boys Greatest Hits record, man. I was just like, die. That's the first one I bought with my own money. That's incredible. And I, and I I'm. Looking back now, it's like, man, what a Holy Spirit thing. And I know there's a bunch of church no. people that, all right, well, here's, here's the, uh, what's this, Kenny? Is this, this Kenny is Rogers? <laughs> you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. That's incredible. The fact that's just laying there right now is incredible. That is definitely one of the influences for sure. It honestly it is, is Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Made the list. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, that was the pup, the the puppet master was our producer, master. the great Scotty Wilbanks. Oh, what's crazy, right. embarrassing is whenever I was like uh, seven or eight years old, I got like twenty bucks at like a Kmart or something, and the first it, it ended up being I didn't realize at the time it was the first cassette tape dating myself <laughs> that I ever bought with my own money, and it was a dad gum MC Hammer doll. With the can't touch this cassette tape. No, 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 can't touch. Listen, it was it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing now, but I'd have been right there with you, man. You know, come on, come on, right there with you. Well, keeping that in mind. Oh yeah, I don't even know. No, I don't even know. You don't know. I mean, back in that time period, the age I'm at. It was probably a Lifehouse record, or yeah. I mean something like yeah. that. Yeah, I bought nice. all the records. <laughs> That's a fair point. You painted it up, scratched to death. You burned bar, and yeah. mixtaped yeah. all yeah. of them. It's like that was back in the days when you put yeah. it all like a CDR, and you yeah. just you put tons of songs on from Napster or whatever. Yeah, so, you know, knock on wood, it's kind of hilarious a little bit. Now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Ne- never knew we'd be doing this for a living and not liking that sort of thing. But it's <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, oh, they dropped a Napster in here. Yeah, there's grace. There's grace for that. Grace for that. It was that. another time, bro. It was another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird time, man. We're buying... MC Hammer stuff and ripping music off of Napster. Don't worry about it. All right. <laughs> what was it? Everybody says about the '60s. Everyone was doing it. You know, it was. Every- <laughs> this was our Woodstock time. This was our it hippie was time. Our- MC yeah, Hammer yeah. and ripping off music. That's free listen. music. It was a revolution. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I tell you a funny story. My uh, my uh, my wife's mother. She figured out during this season of time, okay, that uh, she could <laughs> maybe get her arrested. She could uh, she could rip <laughs> off DVDs, right? Like she could rip off DVDs, oh, yeah. and so she would like rent them from the movie theater, then like rip them off and like burn them. And I and this was early on in my wife. <laughs> yeah, this was early on in our relationship. Yeah, this is off the record. And I told what a great I, idea your wife had. <laughs> So I told my mother-in-law one time, I was like, you sure about this? Yeah, mother-in-law, not my wife. My mother-in-law. I was like, are you so sure about this? Like, And she looked me square in my, in my face and said, they wouldn't make they wouldn't make these things to do that if it was illegal. And I was like, I don't think, I don't think that's. See, that's oh, logic right there. I love it. But then the real question becomes, where are y'all from? Like, what what area of the country this is happening? This, this, this is, sounds like a home dog. Yeah, where's she from? This feels like we relate to this. This is Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi. Come on. I knew it, though. <laughs> Tell me how it's wrong. Won't he do it? All right. <laughs> We're cousins. We're cousins. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Grew up, you mentioned, like, you know, when we travel a lot, and I mean, like, when, when mom and dad plant churches, like, me and Caleb, we were born in southeast Georgia in a, little, a town called Waycross. It's like the Muskogee of Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we were we were born in Waycross, and and so like we've we're kind of like a melting pot of all the things. Then we moved to Mama Mama's small little hometown Wagner yep. when we were 
kids or whatever. So we're like a melting pot of all these things. Dad was raised in West Palm Beach, Florida, so he's got that city thing or whatever. But man, we're a little bit of everything, but very Southern influenced. And that yeah. right there, when you said that, it's like Southern stuff. That rings to yeah. our that rings true and it bears witness with our spirit. Yeah. So. <laughs> so listen, if you're listening to this and you bought MC Hammer. And and you ripped off CDs and DVDs. We're all in this together. No snitching. Yeah, no snitching. No snitching. We all have a testimony. <laughs> but hey, all right. So keeping in that realm of first album influence and stuff like that, if you could open up for anybody, oh, dead, dead or alive, oh, who man, would it be? Man. Who would it be? And don't overthink the question. Think of yeah. it like you just get to be there in the moment there in that day. Yeah, Bob Seger. Yeah, I was going to say that too. For a live thing. What, how cool would it be to collab in the same night or whatever, play yeah. some of those favorite songs together? So, well, Especially if he's got the Silver Bullet Band. With yeah. Like if you got all the horn section going on every night, you imagine? That, I mean, that I think some of our songs, if we got to do like a crossroads type situation where we actually got to do it together. What a blast. That would be nuts. That, that would be crazy. fun. Yeah, man. Very cool. All right. So let me ask you this. You good with that answer, Josh? Yeah, I think out of all of them, because there's so many, if you got the live You got the rock, there, you got the Memphis type stuff going into it, you got the horn. I think my dream is to tour with a band the size of Bob Seger's Silver Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Each other. Well, if this if we can get this uh, this whole Napster situation swept under the rug, we'll reach out to him and just see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Again, we're here with Consumed by Fire, consumedbyfire.com, here on Behind the Tunes from the Visible Music College Studios. Well, talk to me about Consumed by Fire's writing process. How do you guys write your songs? How do you guys come up with what you want to put on a record? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. You know, over the years, it's evolved, and now we're a little bit more in the the collaborative Nashville system, if you will. It started with just us arguing in a bedroom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think a lot of the things and a lot of the practices from over the years are still there a little bit, and that is, you know, I was here listening to Hank Williams Jr. the other day talk about it. He's like, I get some of my best lines while I'm fishing on a boat or, you know, while I'm hanging out in a deer stand, like, and I think that we can relate to that still. I still think some of the ideas that eventually get taken to those rooms in Nashville with a lot of our collaborators, they probably begin in the same way. And then they maybe unfold once we're all together. Wouldn't you yeah, say? I think the process, though, I think for us, it's many times to your point, it's many times out of your prayer time with the Lord. Yeah. Like Jordan, he'll keep he'll keep a bank of titles that, you know, when he's just like, dude. I spent time with God last night and I'm, and it's like, yeah, you did because I see 50 titles right there. Where it's like, wow, the ideas and the twists that we could take on all of these things. This is pretty, this is awesome, dude. A recent thing that we wrote with our producer, Scotty Wilbanks here, we're, at, we're currently in the studio right now with him and in, in, uh, near Atlanta, Georgia. And we were just in conversation. He was asking about our testimony of the last few years. We kind of went away. We didn't make music. A lot of, that's out there now or talked about why and our journey with our dad him being in the hospital for all that time and us coming off the road. And Scotty was just like, man, how did y'all make it through a lot of a personal journey and everything there? And how did you make it through? And then Caleb said, you know, he said what 
you'll see the song later. I don't want to give it away. Yeah. And he just said the song title. He just said mm -hmm. it out of his mouth. This is how we made it through kind of thing. And then it's like that often happens. That's a very often, that's a very often yeah. occurrence where it's just like. It's the conversation will spark the title. Yeah. And, and it isn't that like scripture says, you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You'd be so, you'd be surprised. I think many people would, how many songs are just in your testimony. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and, and it happens when you get together and iron sharpens iron and, you're talking the word sometimes and other times you're just talking you're just it. praising God for all that he's brought you through. And then there's the song right and there. there it is. Yeah. Man, again, like uh, just really enjoying just the stuff you guys are relaying and relating to. But I think that again, like it's, you, I, I see a constant theme within you guys of what is the desires God placed in your heart? And then you begin to pursue that desire and, and allow God to guide that. And, and you work really hard at it and, and you allow him to guide it, uh, make the path straight or make it crooked, whatever he wants to do. And you just pursue the path that's in front of you. But even with the songwriting process, I think we complicate it a lot of times when we're trying to write music because we're trying to say something that is uh, sellable or or that somebody wants to hear without really thinking about the reality that, you know, like my story, uh, there's nothing new in my story. And so if I've right. lived it, a lot of them have lived it. And so if we just, yeah. what do you have to say? Like, what does your story mm -hmm. say? What do you have to tell the people in the world? What do you have to encourage the people that are listening to your music? And it's just so simple. We complicate it. But I love I love the process that you relate there. I think that's, I think that's the way it needs to be. Again, we're here with Consumed by Fire. Consumedbyfire.com here on Behind the Tunes at the Visible Music College Studios. Well, just a couple more minutes here, guys. Uh, I love live music. There's nothing like playing live music. There are a few things like live music, but there's some goofy stuff that happens along the way, too. <laughs> Do you guys have most embarrassing onstage moments that stick out to you? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, Jordan. <do> you? <laughs> I probably have the most. You do. It's awesome. Josh tells the story of one thing that happened during a sound check to me once. You go ahead, Josh. Oh, I love it. It's yeah. literally my favorite story to tell. <laughs> so funny. We're so we're we're in a we're, we're in Louisiana and we're at this this good sized church, right? And they have built a backdrop out of like mm. plywood and two four by four posts and like it's this whole backdrop thing. Big and it's right behind this drum riser. They have a drum riser up here, right in front of this backdrop. And Jordan's getting up there and we're sound checking and he, you know, he's kicking that kick drum, man, just pounding his kick drum. And there was a very questionable and, drum throne. And there I was heard. a questionable little drum throne that he was sitting on. <laughs> like a percussion plus type drum And at throne, some you know. point, people started to come in, you know, it's normally pretty closed off during sound check. But several people for this big event for started some to come reason. in. For some reason, there was like over a dozen people in this. Movie. Oh, there was more than that, brother. Yeah, there's probably thirty people. If this happened there. to you, you'd realize how many people. <laughs> were there. And, and so, and so he's up there sound checking, and he's just kicking this kick drum at about I don't know. The drum throne goes at some Ooh. point. The the legs of the drum throne <laughs> explode, dude. Like they just fold outwards. It doesn't even. Uh, he collapses yeah. on this riser 
and the whole plywood backdrop starts coming. And I was trapped. And it was like a slow motion in a movie, dude. It was insane. Yeah. All I see is him going. <laughs> and, it like... and then we had we had all these people in there witnessing all of it. And so it was very embarrassing. That our drummer time. got smashed by this giant backdrop. <laughs> we had a real Jericho type night. I don't know how the symbol stands. I don't know how the symbol stands and like the, the thing like fought it to where everything folded over and it like protected him enough to not get injured. <laughs> and somehow the symbol stands, none of the nothing was broken. I mean, there's all smashed. kinds of things on the road though, man, that happened. Maybe I mean, it was an ancient. I'm not yeah. over spiritualized. <laughs> <laughs> you had somebody looking out for you that day, buddy. Yeah. That was an embarrassing deal. But it's just it's it's just for different reasons. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a hey, that one, hey, it did it didn't hurt him physically, but it hurt him right here. It hurt him right here in the heart. Just got it. Yeah. Well, again, we're wrapping up here with consumed by fire, consumed by fire.com here on behind the tunes. From the Visible Music College studio, I like to end with a little rapid fire. You got your game face on? Come on. All right. What is the last Halloween costume you remember wearing? <laughs> Man, I think mine was a Darth Vader years ago. That was a good one. Mine was a Stormtrooper. We did it the same oh, night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't even <laughs> that was the last one I did. The last one I remember doing was Joker. He did Joker. Because my yeah. kids were like Batman. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite junk food? Oh, gosh. Pizza. Yeah, I mean, hands down. Yeah. Actually, yesterday I had Auntie Anne's pretzels. <laughs> oh, my mm, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. What color is your toothbrush? Blue. Yeah, I got like a, like a black with a little turquoise yeah, trim mine, around it. Mine, it's beautiful. Mine. Mine black as well. <laughs> In the movie about your life, the consumed by fire story, what actor would play each of you? Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, obviously. Obvious. Good <laughs> <Ed Affleck>. uh, <laughs> Obviously. That's great. Man, Jonah Hill? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he could grow his hair out for this situation. <laughs> I would say John Candy, but God rest his soul. God, oh, he's incredible, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when John Candy grew out his beard and everything, man, I did. I just wasn't. I didn't know. I wasn't aware he had a beard look. I've always seen him clean shaven, Uncle Buck. Doesn't kind of everybody style. want though Matthew McConaughey to play? Well, I'm too big for that, you know. Oh my god! Yeah, Matthew McConaughey, absolutely. Yeah. What was your for obvious reasons? No, I said Ben Affleck, but it's like, well, you know, he's got you know alcohol stuff. John, I'm still stuck on the John Candy. The John Candy thing's moving my soul right now. Oh, what man. was your guys' favorite cartoon growing up? <laughs> I'm a 90s kid, dude. I'm sorry. Dude, I, I probably really got with the Spider-Man. I got to be honest with you. As a kid, I hated cartoons. I was a weird kid. I was like, I wanted real life. And I was like the most grown-up kid you probably ever been around. I didn't like candy and I didn't like cartoons. Get off my lawn. Hey, I didn't like it. Yeah. Jordan was a youth pastor at eight. <laughs> no, yeah. I wasn't. He was 16, but anyway. He was a senior adult, a senior adult pastor by 12. 
Seriously. And last but not least, last but not least, something you hate that everyone else loves. Uh, Probably Starbucks. (laughs) Okay. You you hate Starbucks? I love it. Oh, he said, what do you hate? Oh, what do we hate? What does it say again? Something that you hate that everybody else loves. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, now you know what he loves that everybody else hates. I mean, we're just, we're not haters, we're lovers. Lovers, not haters. (laughs) And if there's something we don't like, we just give them a a suggestion. No, no, we don't don't even do that. What do you think of something I actually don't don't like? like? I'm trying to. It's tough tough for us, man. That everybody else does. I feel like I'm always the guy telling the truth. It's like, you know you don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) You're just saying you don't like it. I'm actually... Yeah, anytime we didn't like something as a kid, mom and dad would tell us a story of one of the missionary friends. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I'm serious. You got so much to be grateful it's like, for. You, know what? You, you have any idea? Like, that's how we were raised. It's like, oh my God, no, I did it. I'm so sorry. How blessed you are to be here today. Like, well, like, I don't I'm, just, I'm just glad to know. I'm just glad to know that your parents use that stuff too. <laughs> If it was food, if it was atmosphere, if it was each other, whatever it was, there was a story. (laughs) Our parents and most people's parents is our parents said junk like that, and they break out a photo. (laughs) photo Everybody on the couch. Did you see this? Here's the VHS. Let's put this in. Everybody on the couch. Everybody on the couch. Honey, honey, get photo album 47 off the shelf right now. This is life lesson time. We got a life lesson. Well, did you know that where I went to this country, they didn't even have movies? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. Listen, they're consumed by fire. Consumed by fire.com. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out on Behind the Tunes today. You've been a ton of fun. Hey, man. I love it. We'll do it again soon. Mm